I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete Berthod, and you guys know my co-host, Rob. Hi, Robbie, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. It was it was awesome to see you this past weekend. <laughs> it was. We actually got a chance to to watch the game together. I was down in the Arlington, D.C. area for a friend's 40th birthday. Shout out my buddy Joe. Uh, it was a surprise party at Downtown Crown. Where else? Oh, sorry. Not Downtown Crown. Dominion Wine and Beer. So yeah. <laughs> our old sponsor and our buddy Arash, who, who runs that place, put on a great party for our friend Joey, and it was it was a good time. But before that, we did get a chance to watch a game together, which doesn't happen too often. Yes, and uh, it was glorious. Uh, <laughs> that, that, us being together, let's put it that way. Yeah, no. and your your friend came over who was a Marshall fan, which he was a really nice guy, and so uh, at least someone watching got to win. But <laughs> That's right. And he, he, he uh, I don't know if you noticed that, he's he's got a very um, uh, even kind of temperament like not like he's not like loud or boisterous whatsoever um and so he was uh uh very reserved in the positive outcome i think uh which was i i wouldn't have invited him over if i thought that it wasn't going to be the case because we had a you know an, an idea that the outcome might not have been great yeah i don't think he clapped or really even cheered once he would just be like all right that was good yeah like <laughs> that was the most reaction you'd get out of him yeah. so not a bad person to watch the game with if you're watching with someone on the other side why don't you give us a cheers and we'll get going uh cheers to seeing you a cheers to i think the there's a basketball schedule that just got released i haven't looked at it mm-hmm. i've been i've been uh work has been a bit crazy and you know what Cheers to Wu Tang and Nas, who I went and saw at Capital One Arena last night. And oh, nice! It was—I'd uh, seen Nas before with actually with the National Symphony Orchestra at Wolf Trap uh, a couple last year, maybe a couple of years ago. And so I'd seen that before. Obviously, I had not seen Wu Tang before. Method Man, M E T H O D, showed up. That, uh, that's so awesome, it dude! It was awesome. So. In the bad, I'm going to take some of the good, and I had a blast. So how about cheers to some old school rap, which I know you're a friend, a, a fan of as well. Absolutely. Cheers. Now, that sounds like a dynamite concert. And if you are watching on YouTube, you'll notice that I was just drinking a glass of water because it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Um I'm leaving for Vermont bright and early tomorrow, and uh, Rob's got stuff going on, so we decided to to do this during the day. So we won't get a beer break in today, but the next time we record together, it'll probably be a pumpkin beer episode for me personally. I'll probably be having some pumpkin beers on the show, so look forward to that. Yes, VT lost to Marshall 24-17. to We're going to get to all the notes in a second here. Let's start with the AP poll. Florida State beat Clemson, and we had that game on too in your basement, and Clemson got out to a hot start, and it looked like they might take the day for a while there. Yeah, uh, Florida State climbed its way back in it and ended up being a fantastic game, uh, 24-24 before it went into overtime. Uh, Florida State, we watched kind of out of, out of our side eye, or I guess our game had wrapped up, so we watched uh, the end of it. Uh, they scored a touchdown and then held held Clemson with a, a solid defensive performance. Uh, yeah, that wide receiver, Keon Coleman, is so good for Florida State, dude. Wild. And it's funny because if you look at the poll here, you'll see Florida State's at number five, which means they actually moved down a spot after getting a win over Clemson because Ohio State moved up after beating 
Notre Dame, which was a huge win in its own right. We got UNC at 15, Duke at 17, Miami at 18, and Louisville is just outside at 28th if you go to the receiving votes. Colorado, uh, (laughs) they finally came back down to earth. I talked a little bit about that on Monday. They've dropped out of the rankings. UCLA dropped out after a dismal showing on, on offense at Utah, and Iowa dropped out. And you want to talk about dismal showing on offense. <laughs> wow. That, that was horrible. I think they had like 75 yards or something total. Mm-hmm. So 31 nothing blanking against Penn State drops Iowa out of the rankings and might be hard for them to get back in. Mizzou, Kansas, and Fresno hop into the rankings. You can see them there if you're watching on YouTube. 23, 24, and 25 for those teams respectively. Oregon State and Ole Miss dropped five spots each, and they both played other ranked opponents. Oregon State damn near came back and beat Washington State. And Ole Miss, this could be the first loss of a couple because I think they got another another hard game coming up this weekend. Yeah, it could be. They could they could chuck up chuck up a few and and be out of the rankings um, here pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, and not much, not too much change on the uh, ACC teams um, in the sense no, of not like, really. yeah, who's who's in, who's who's out. So we're uh, but with that Duke staying where it is, we get uh, some fun this upcoming weekend. Yeah, that's right. Notre Dame is going to Duke this weekend, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Notre Dame's number 11. Duke is number 17. It's going to be an interesting game. And, like, that's another team. And I, I talked about this a couple weeks back. Like, Notre Dame has at Duke, at Louisville, USC. Mm-hmm. Like Not that fun. is really tough, man. Yeah, that uh, independent schedule is uh, coming back to bite them. Sometimes it can get after you. Yeah, and the game I was referring to with Ole Miss—they're playing LSU this weekend. It is on the Grove. Is that what they call Ole Miss? Uh, yeah. Um, yes. Something like that. Uh, yeah, it's not—it's not in Death Valley. It, Ole Miss is at home, but that's going to be a tough one. Let's get to the depth chart injury update. Not too much on the depth chart. Jaden McDonald is now the backup at Will, and Will Johnson got bumped off. Yep. Uh, so no Will for Will, but <laughs> but we got <laughs> we got Jaden McDonald in there, and I think Pry was just trying to throw anyone in there to see what they can do at the linebacker position because it just didn't look so good. I mean, we saw George Balance get in there. Yeah, I think yeah they would have they would have thrown a carcass on the field uh, if they they could have the way that uh that game went um because at least they stay still and you might trip over them yeah that going probably, the wrong direction yeah at least you wouldn't have got faked out by the running back uh <laughs> as many times as uh, our boy will did uh, uh horrible performance by him in this game um i guess by, by all of them it's yes. not it wasn't just not just, not him, just him but he had and a, he's if you read french's right up it was player. it was uh it was <laughs> particularly scathing of uh, yeah. just the reads, but uh, we'll get into our linebacking core soon enough. If anyone deserves a little bit of grace, it's Will Johnson. Yeah. Cause there were supposed to be guys in front of him playing and yep. uh, now he's, he was playing out of necessity. Now we got other guys playing out of necessity. It's, yep. it's just not pretty in the linebacking core. Correct. Injuries. Jalen Lane played. He didn't look like himself really. No. Jenkins played, Tisdale played, and Stroman played. We didn't see Grant Wells. Uh, that injury, as we thought, was a little bit more serious two weeks back, and maybe he'll be back next game. I don't know. But again, eight starters have been hurt. We have gotten some back, and I think it helped for part of the game, but ultimately the the defense wasn't super improved. And I heard on Tech Talk Live after we recorded that uh, – there's been 14 surgeries on the team already, like through through this many games in the season, and so like, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and I think they they mentioned that uh, that came from the broadcast. Uh, I think they okay. mentioned it. Okay. I I heard 14. I thought I heard injuries when you and I were watching. I think you and I were talking, and um, so that that uh, holds true based on what they said. I think one of the coaches mentioned it in the broadcast, um, and Keonta came back and and had a good game. So um, we. Um, we did get a little help, but overall the defense, uh, definitely has some, some major challenges ahead. Absolutely. Pop is back with the team. Pop Watson. It sounded like he was very remorseful with his statement online. And then, uh, price said he's doing whatever he needs to do to be a good soldier. So that's good. 
College Football Monday, every Monday at 9 a.m., I had my buddy Greg on, who is a big Ohio State fan, talked about their big win. Uh, he he said he didn't know Lou Holtz was still alive oh, <laughs> when, when they were getting yeah. into the Ryan Day stuff, which kind of just oh, made me crack goodness. up. My um, wife, I didn't watch that game. Uh, my wife brought me in to watch that the next morning. Uh, so <laughs> it was pretty funny, it was the of... Ryan Day commentary. Uh, but yeah, the show went well. Make sure to check it out. It's on the feed. Pick them leaders. We have three guys that are, or ladies, at 26 and 14. We got the bottom dwellers, who are not at the bottom. They are at the top. Yep. <laughs> Hokie Hustler and TK and James. Those are our three guys in first place. 26 and 14 is the record there. Good job. Let's get to the game recap. Chiron Drones got us on the board right away. It was really fun to watch. 31-yard rush. The offense scored in the first quarter for the first time this year. We had a 10 to 7 lead before Marshall really took over. The offense just kind of went lifeless on us. And it lasted just about two full quarters. Marshall got up 24 to 10, but Drones was able to run in another touchdown on a scramble to cut it to seven late in the game. And we did have a chance at the end before a false start and an incomplete pass to Lane that uh that ended the ball game on a fourth and six. Marshall wins 24-17. But as always, let's go to the calls for a full recap. Hey, that uh First drive, uh, that, that two-back formation looked real good. Glad we never used it again. Tebow's got to go. Pete, I know you said to not leave long messages, but this could be a long one, man. Oh, my God, dude. We, we, we have to get rid of Brent Rye. I, I love the guy. He gets it, but he just doesn't get it, dude. All right, Tootie, you can mark this game as the weekend I'm officially out on Bowen. I am not a football aficionado by any stretch. But I rewatched the, the the game, and I officially want to get drunk. You pass it 21 times and run it nine times, and you told us that Jones is the better runner and not as good of a passer. I can't even understand that logic. That, that was just painful to watch. Our offensive play calling is was atrocious today. It reminded me of the scene from Idiocracy, the Luke Wilson movie, where he's watching the guy trying to put a block through a circle hole. That, that's just what it looks like. Good. I mean, this is... Fuck me, man. I've been a fan of this team since I could walk, and I, I just don't know what to say, man. I'd call our offensive line a revolving door, but I think that'd be disrespectful to revolving doors. We have to stop the run. No, no, hold on. I, I'm calling back because I'm driving home from, from Marshall, and I'm actually... 20 called pass plays to 10 called running plays or less 10 or less with a running quarterback who you say is not an accomplished passer i I just i'm actually upset we are the laughing stock of college football this is this is so ridiculous man hey it's craig can we just like forfeit the rest of the season i don't know figure out mike get healthy I still think Kyron's probably the quarterback I'd to go to just because I feel like that's more of the offense we want to run. Joe Rogers is right. Fire with Babcock. People on the X app need to spend way too much time on the X app. Maybe they need to spend some time on the XXX app. God damn it. Oh, it's not good. It's not good, boys. But we're going that. that. We need a fucking fan meeting. Go fucking OP. <sighs> No, I'm going to get, get into the bourbon. Peace. <laughs> uh, great series of calls, as always. That I love that last one. That was Hokey Hack. It's like, he already sounds like he's messed up. He's yeah. like, I'm going to get into the bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> XXX app also. Um, yeah, that was that was tremendous. Um, um, I'd I love the one that was like pleading. Can we please stop the run? <laughs> yes, please make it happen. Uh, so I didn't hear any of the calls, which always makes it more fun. I had my notes. If we put canceling the season up for vote, put me in the yay category. Uh, uh, just There's a lot of people that want to redshirt the entire team, cancel the season, whatever. Because it, it, really, it really is ugly. And I said before, going to Marshall and losing by a touchdown to me isn't as shameful from the outside looking in as a 19 point loss at Rutgers. I mean, Marshall has at least been a good football team for a couple decades, 
program, whatever you want to call it. Like to me, that's just like whatever, but people still see it like, Hey, that's a G five. We lost to a G five where P five shouldn't happen. But if you've seen us play, it, this was a totally losable game. We kind of all figured we might lose it. And what, what is unfortunate I thought about Marshall is that they're a very one dimensional team mm-hmm. and we, we still couldn't stop them and score more points than them to win the game. That, that was what kind of troubled me in this one. Yeah. We had our last three games. We've scored 17 points, 16 points and 17 points. I think that is uh, horrific. We, I'm, I'm being very objective in this. We, I would say that we are the worst power five team that is right now in college football. I think that power five team, uh, I think that's pretty safe to say um with what we've demonstrated on the field um well i'll and you know it's hard the only reason i'm i'm not even pushing back because yeah. i think i might have said that on twitter earlier this week if we are not last we are basically tied for last with stanford mm-hmm. or uva yeah. and at least uva went to overtime or nearly went to overtime with nc state we had bc has at least scoring points yeah. like they put up 28 points a couple weeks in a row yep Arizona State, like they were giving USC all kinds of problems. Like, I don't know what the hell USC was doing, but like those are the other teams that were kind of below us in the FPI or SP plus, wherever you want to look. And like, they all showed signs of life. Yes. And we can't get past the 17 point mark mm-hmm. versus any kind of reasonable team. Yeah. And that's, it stinks because last year we thought we were pretty bad, but we still went into a lot of games where we were competitive. Like even against Pitt last year when Pitt was much better, like we were competitive for a long time in that game. We had a lead against Georgia Tech. We had a lead against NC State. It's hard to envision that right now for this team. Like this team doesn't seem nearly as competent as even last year, which was a bad team. Yes, I would agree with all of that. Um, so, yes. Offense? I, yeah, offense. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of notes on just the high-level stuff, but it, everybody already knows it. Um Two for 13 on third down. Is that good? Probably no. not. Um, probably the, the, the stat that troubles me the most. Uh, Kyron Jones, 19 for 35, 159 yards. It, it, and somehow we were really only in the game because of his running ability. Um, and if he, so you can hate on him, but if he's not running the way he does, there was a lot of key plays that he made in this game with his, his feet um, that if we didn't have, this could have been even worse. Uh, so yeah. it, it, as you can hate on maybe the, the passing and how much we threw it, all those sorts of things. Um, I, I feel bad saying this, but Tootin transferred to the wrong school, unfortunately, because, um, and the offensive line and Ron Crook should be making payments to him. Like, you know, in terms of taking money out of their NIL and giving it to him because it's, it's troublesome. You can see that he's good. The, the, the running ability, the off, the offensive line. We we all talked about it before the season started that it was going to be a, a danger zone for us. It is horrific. It is, it is so bad. There mm-hmm. are people just like going untouched, just completely blowing straight through the offensive line. They're missing blocks. They're they're missing schemes. Their footwork, you know, based on what French is saying, is terrible. the The whole thing is really troublesome. Um, it 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 is. And whether it's three offensive line coaches in three years, whether it's youth, I don't know. But like this, it's an absolutely despicable offensive line. Like it is so ugly. Marshall had four sacks and eleven hurries in the game. I know Porter is a game wrecker. He absolutely is. And he, he wrecked us. I mean, on the one play, he basically pulled Clements to the ground and then took out the quarterback that might've been an illegal play, but like the dude was bitch slapping us all over the place. Like it it was Bob Schick standing there blocking nobody. We got, I, I, I really don't like to call out the guy's names because they're, they're just really kids and they're, they're trying to play hard and they're not in a good situation, but it is so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. And I don't know how it's going to get better. But the fact that we had all those hurries and all those sacks on us was all the more reason we should have been rushing the ball more. I think like yeah. I, I know you say, oh, their D line's getting to the quarterback. They're going to get to the rush. Well, early in the game, we were running for like 
20 yards a carry. I mean, yeah. two doing amazing early in the game. And I know he started to get stuffed, but nine carries for Bashal Tootin, when, like you said, at Wisconsin, West Virginia, Kentucky, he would be all conference. Like this kid is that freaking good. Give him more than nine carries. Yeah. If you look at Drones' carries, he had 15 recorded runs, four were sacks. Another probably two or three were scrambles that were dropbacks. And so you're talking about under 10 carries for him in the run game. So now we're below 20 carries for our two best rushers against a team in which we were having success with the run. We ran for six yards for carry in the game. Yeah. And you have less than 20 carries. I mean, Rakeem Cato, Rakeem Cato. Oh my God. Rasheen Ali. Yeah. <laughs> back to a different, <laughs> a different partial player. Uh, had like 27 carries, right? Yes, I mean, 27 for that, 174 that's yards. What you do with a back, you yeah. feed him and figure out ways to feed him. Um, and some of that, it, the tight end, you know, right is not blocking at all. Uh, on the end, that's a big problem. And to go with, I think he had two drop passes. Uh, I'm again, I, I know you don't like hitting on like key players. I'm not judging the person, I'm judging. The, the, the performance on the field, right? So that's it totally happens, fine. It we, happens this is to what be, we have to do. <laughs> it happens to be him. Okay. So call him whatever you want. Call him Bill. Call him, you know, I don't, I'm sure he's an awesome person. Great dude. Would love to hang out with him sometime. The person, whoever is in that role, is not blocking and can't catch passes and it's causing problems. He dropped two passes, I think, in this game, uh, one of which just hit him like literally right in the hands. Uh, so that's not helping our quarterback either uh, in his you know passing confidence and and what's going on because we're he he is not a a great and uh, you know he's not an exceptional passer at this time. But all the more reason why you have to catch what he is giving you because you have mm-hmm. to help him out when he's you know not going to be as polished as we would like him to be at this point. But the the amount of rushing is horrific uh it, it, it's the whole the whole offense is incompetent so the the <laughs> is the best way to put it so people talk about like it is and i know this is like kind of summary level but it has really just to do with the offense is we cannot get more than like four minutes of kind of like competent offense at a time and then we just like flame out so like you talk about the middle eight the, the eight minutes that are so important to coaches we like put a different spin on that which is we were like did something a little bit like competent in the first four minutes and the last four minutes of the game. And, and that was it. There was nothing in between. We basically went touchdown, turnover on downs, punt, field goal, fumble, punt, 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 touchdown, turnover on downs. We did it. We, it was a turnover touchdown and a turnover of downs at the beginning of the game, at the end of the game. And then you could have just fallen asleep in between. That's it. It, it, it just completely went away. And whether Marshall figured us out or the scripted play calls ended, I don't know what exactly the problem was, but it's terrible. I said on Monday that I gave Bowen just a little bit of credit, a a very small, slim bit of credit for the schemes against Rutgers in the second half. Well, forget it, man. This, This guy is cooked. He is absolutely cooked. He's not fit to be an OC. We, I, I said it before the Liberty game last year. Like you can't bring him back. If you're going to bring him back, he needs to be a co-OC mm-hmm. because we just need someone with more experience that that's seen these mistakes and that can fix it because it's, it's so bad. And I don't know whether like he could be partially to blame for why the offensive line is so bad. Like someone, cause I don't think crook is a bad coach. Yeah. And so, and I don't think every single one of those players no. is a bad player. No. So like, what's the problem here? Well, I have a clue because we had a bad offensive line last year. We had a bad offensive line this year. And the one common denominator is our OC, who is Tyler Bowen. Yeah. So, like, I'm ready to try something else. And if we have, like, a two-win season or a three-win season, you got to do something about offensive coordinator. You just have to. You might have to do something about both the coordinators. We'll talk about the defense in a second here. Yeah. If we want to say a few good things, at least we threw tooting the ball five times out of the backfield. Yes. He had 45 yards receiving. All the more reason to keep getting him the ball. Um, Benji Gosnell was four for 52 might be our best tight end right now in terms of a, and a one-handed a catch a ridiculous yeah. one hand. Well, catch. that was, I'm oh, sorry. Gosnell. No, Steven had the one handed yes. catch. Sorry. But yes, the Gosnell brothers are doing it again. Uh, Steven's actually our leading receiver in terms of yards on the season. Mm-hmm. How many yards do you think Steven has on the season? Do you know? 
I don't. It's a good question. Our leading two, our leading receiver, did, 133 yards. Yeah, I was going to say 200, and then I realized I was being way too aggressive. Yeah, our our leading receiver is averaging 33 yards a game. So that that's 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 where we're at. Felton has 128. Wright has the most receptions with 11. But like you said, he could have a few more receptions. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Lane has the most yards per game, even though he was basically a no-show in this last game at 40, 40 yards per game. That's in, just kind of injured, no show. injured, no show. I mean, he, right, he's right. And, around. And, yeah. Cause he's very good. Yes. And we know that when healthy, he's mm-hmm. very good. Nine penalties in the game. Yeah. And six of which I think were false starts. Um, I'm not sure if it was that many, but whatever. There was a key false start that we're all aware of oh, uh, and several, several other penalties. Now the PI call yeah. on strong and, there were some other questionable calls in there, but the false starts were were killer at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, defense. Yeah, let's over. go. Yeah, you can't you can't false start at the end of the game, uh, Shik. That, that you can't you you just you can't when the team is trying to like scrounge out anything that it can because we're we're, we're sucking that bad. You can't can't false start right there mm-hmm. um and yeah so that it hurt. was a bad it was a bad bad play bad bad spot there on defense we allowed 215 rush yards that's quite a few yeah but on a per play basis the d was actually okay mm-hmm. but we gave up two long runs to ali and what they did was they they kept bashing them and they got a breakthrough and that's what I was hoping we would do with Tootin. Mm-hmm. And those breaks were were absolutely killer. One came right after the one of the bad calls. Yeah. I can't remember. We there was a call and then on the next play they like, ran for a touchdown. It's like you got to be freaking kidding me. Like these are the margins where and then we lose by seven. Yes. And so like that call, those are the margins Tech is playing with. Like we can't afford to lose on the margins as much as we do and win a game. I would agree with that. Um, where to start here? Uh, the do let's just do the linebackers. What 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 is going? So Kelly Lawson. Let's talk about Lawson for a minute because this is a tale of two worlds, right? He his stats are really good this season. His athleticism has been put on um, highlight, I think, and. He's, but he's taken some, he's just as much as at fault of taking some bad angles, bad pursuits, not being able to follow what is not all that sophisticated of misdirection um, and taking, you know, going the wrong way. Um, so I feel like his successes are out of necessity versus being additive to a successful defense. Does that make yeah. sense? So like if you have a elite, let's go back to like, um, uh, who was it? Chase uh, was Chase Young uh, on that Ohio State offense or defensive yep. line. Yeah, so he was an additive to what was already a good defense. So like it popped off. And you were like, "Holy crap! This guy's like even better than the guys around him," and it makes it really exciting. Whereas with Kelly Lawson, I feel like it's out of necessity. A lot of those tackles are out of necessity. A lot of those you know plays are out of the necessity of a lot of problems that are happening. Um, around him and I think that is how I summarize you know, the linebackers is and I'm I, I want to build on that with Kelly because what I think he's doing is he's basically playing with athletic ability yeah and and just making plays because he can not because the scheme or the coaching has been good like that that's why he's kind of just running around like an athlete out there and he's so <laughs> athletic that he's making plays and he did in this game but again if we i said the thing about tootin and you you did too like if he's on another team he's kick ass if kelly lawson was like on utah mm-hmm. like he would be all american like yeah. that's how that's that's what i think you were getting at yes. and i wanted to put a point on it because mm-hmm. he could be so good and he's already probably our one of our best defenders, if not the best defender. And he's like gotten, I don't think he's been coached up at all. Like I I really think he's been coached up zero. And so I I can't even blame him when he, when he makes a mistake because he's doing so many other things that without him, I don't know where we'd be. I agree. Yes. That hits it right on the head. Uh, So the, 
Well, the linebackers are a challenge. The defensive ends and quite a few plays are getting stuck on the inside and they're losing contain on the outside, which is then exacerbated by the fact that the linebackers are not in the right place. So um, that that's compounding it. And people are, they're using the run against us. That's it. That's the key yeah. to the, that's all you gotta do. If you got a, if you got a good to decent to good, very good running back, you will have success against our defense is basically the name of the game and people are going with it. And they're mixing it when they, if you remember during this game, so Ali was getting stuffed in the, uh, up the middle, they were running like inside zone and stuff like that. They just started bouncing them to the outside and then it yeah. was fine. Then it, like, and I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at it going, why can't we do that? If we're getting stuffed up the middle and we're, you know, not having success with inside zone or whatever we're running, it's like, well, why can't we, you know, take some, you know, bounces to the outside and make it work? Because we definitely have the running back to do it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. And it, what makes it more frustrating is like back in the day when we'd go up against, and not even back in the day, just when Bud Foster was our DC not so long ago, when we went up against a run-only team, which basically Rutgers and Marshall have been, it's like, oh yeah, here we go. Bud's just going to tee off. He's going to focus on the run, tee off on the QB. We're going to win this game, no problem, because they're only going to score like 10 points. And now we're playing these one-dimensional teams, and they just do the only thing they can do well, and they do it well yeah. all over us. Yeah. And it's it's so annoying. I would say Payne played well. That's the best we've seen him play. He actually made a yep. couple of plays. Yep. Um, two sacks in the game for the defense, six TFL. We got to the quarterback a little bit, but just not enough. And they just they just ran the football and, and did it. I mean, it's it's the same thing of what we've seen. On special teams, Holloway had a 22-yard punt return, and then I think a, a punt return that got called back for a block. Uh, but not a whole lot to talk about on special teams. I think Marshall did miss a field goal in the game, yep. but uh, but we didn't really matter. Yeah. Takeaways, and then we'll get to we'll get to Pitt here. On Monday, I said our coaches are are failing these kids to a degree because I just feel like our players aren't bad enough to all look this bad because we just we tend to look lost at linebacker and on the offensive line. And if I'm playing good cop today to my bad cop on Monday, it would be that we've had those 14 surgeries. We've had all those starters out. We've got a lot of youth on this roster. And with this roster, that's what you're going to get when you have those things. It's so, and some people have taken that attitude. Like there are friends of mine that are just like, you know what, man, like, what did you expect? The roster's in the tank. Like it's going to be a bad year. And it's hard when you watch the team as closely as we do to just be like, yeah, you're right. Okay. They stink. Let's deal with that. But like, Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's more there. And that if you don't want to see the team get worse from year one, and I feel like that's where we are. That's what, that's what stinks about it. So oh, I want to hit two things that are kind of takeaway. One French said something in his write up. If you haven't read it, go read it that I thought it was really insightful. He said, there's, you know, there are Fuente era recruits that are still at 14 of the 22 positions. Um, and that is troubling, meaning that we need to overhaul it from that's been the whole thought process we need to overhaul mm-hmm. it, but they're still starting at 14 of the 20. So the younger guys have not overtaken the more senior guys, or to your point, I don't know how he accounted for injuries in that. So that could be somebody may have overtaken, but then now they're injured. And now somebody from Puente is back in there. The, that, that was interesting. Um, to me that the, the second is if you were, and I haven't watched the Duke game, this, this year, Duke's game with Mike Elko, right? If you were to go um, the like uh, schoolyard pick them, right? You take one person, I take one person. You take one person, and you lined up all of the Virginia Tech and the Duke players, right? Right now, in terms of who you would take and to fill out a 22-person starting team. Uh, do How many of those do you think you would take from Duke versus Virginia Tech? In terms of playing ability, athleticism, you know, coachability, who you would actually put up there? You're because, talking about like the 22 both sides of the ball. Yeah, both sides yeah. of the ball. Um, and because I think my, I think you would take a lot more Virginia Tech players than you would imagine on a team 
that is vastly, vastly under um, under uh, performing in comparison to what Duke is doing right now. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. And and a, a, I perhaps like a better way to put that is if you start spring ball, like you've got a whole off season, same player, and you're drafting the defense. Like mm-hmm. Kelly Lawson might go first overall, but he's not playing the best of any of anyone out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And that would Mansoor Delane. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dorian Strong. Like the, a lot of these guys have top notch ACC ability, and it's just a mess up there. Canteen's a good player. Like he was yeah. a good player before he got to tech and he's, he's an okay player here, but it's just, that's an interesting so, point, And I don't know. It's impossible to say, yes. what, but well, it's my, a good point. My point is, is that if you are going to take ultimately my point of that you know, comparison is if you were going to do that and you were going to take that many Virginia tech players and Mike Elko was going to select that many Virginia tech players to come in and play for him, then you have a coaching problem. Ultimately, you don't have a player problem. You have a coaching and coaching up and, and an ability to teach people what they need to learn to be effective on the field. So that's how I look at this team at this point in the season and, and, and bifurcate between what we're talking about with Kelly Lawson and we're talking about with Keonta Jenkins and we're talking about, you know, I think we have the tools in there to put together a serviceable team this year and the coaches are failing in some way or form not to be able to put together that that team right now um, because I think that the talent level is sufficient enough. And you and I have talked about this. We aren't. We don't have a talent level that should be last in the Power Five right now. But we have a coaching staff that is utilizing those players to such a way that we are last in the Power Five right now. I'm, it's a simple thing to look at, but Pry was essentially our defensive coordinator last year. He called the plays. He was in the room when those meetings met. And the defense, with a lot of the same players, is way worse. Mm-hmm. And so it it could be as simple as our coordinators blow. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they might just both not be good at their jobs. We said when they were hired that they were very, very young and that they were super inexperienced and that they were were hired for recruiting which didn't necessarily preclude them from being good coaches, but we've got a lot of evidence that they might not be good coaches to, <laughs> to this point. We, and and you that you could say that about a lot of the different staffers. I think some of the staffers probably know what they're doing, yeah. but I don't think our coordinators necessarily do. And that's what they do. They coordinate both sides of the ball and both sides of the ball suck. So yeah. I, yeah. I don't... I don't know, man. Yeah. Easiest uh, solution is, is often. Uh, and right if, one. and I, I don't want to even, I, I'd speculate a little bit, but like if it remains as poor as it is today and going forward, you have to make changes at those two spots because otherwise your butt's on the line. If you're pride, like you've got to, yeah. you've got to make a change at those spots. If we stay this bad, it's a big if, but right now I need to see something to show me that it's not going to be like that. Okay. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. The Two Deep Hokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Roback. Roback is a performance activewear designed for those who crave activity. When I stopped by Rob's house, one of the nice things was I got to drop off the Commonwealth to him. Yep. He finally got got a look at it with his fresh eyes. What do you think? I love it. It's uh, it's getting worn next time I can get out get away from work and find a time to play some golf. I am pumped. Yeah. The fabric is so soft and stretchy. They're, they're great shirts, but they are offering our listeners 20% off their first order using code 2DEEPVT. That's 2DEEPVT, all one word, all caps. They have hoodies, tees, quarter zips, joggers, different kinds of pants, and of course, they're awesome looking polos. There's so many different ones. If you're a golfer, you got to get in there and get some of these polos. So go to their site, load up the cart, and use code 2DEEPVT for 20% off your order. Roback, crave activity. We got pit up next, Robbie. Yep. And that's, it's not a hate week like UVA is, but both you and I hate pit. Yes. Like we have always hated pit. We, when we were in school, they, we were still in the Big East and we played pit every year and we suffered some, some really nasty last second losses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just hate them. 
Yes. And what's nice to see is they haven't been so good this year. They st- they started out the year at number 35 in the FPI, and they have dropped to number 48 today. And that really might not be low enough because on offense, it's been a struggle for them. Yeah, they have, um, they're one in one in three. So come visit us, Pitt. We're, we're both one in three, both coming off of uh, three losses in a row. So this is, this is quite a game. Uh, whoever wins this is going to break that uh, three-game losing streak. So um, I think uh, it could be interesting. But the offense, um, both sides of the ball have not been um, great, at least in comparison to some recent years. But the offense in particular has not been great. And I think that mostly uh, starts with uh, Jerkovic. And you know what he's in is ninth or 10th season of college football. Uh, I think it seems like it. it. It seems like it, but he's playing what you would expect from somebody that's this experienced and has played this much college football and yet was not all that highly recruited as a transfer. I guess is probably the best way to, to put it. Uh, and he has got 583 yards this season. He's got a 51% completion percentage. He's got through four touchdowns and he's got three interceptions. So um, things have been a bit of challenge for, for them on the offense. When we did our previews over the summer, I thought he would be better. I thought him reuniting with Signetti would make him better. He, he, cause he was good with yeah. BC. Yeah. He showed yeah. flashes with BC is what I'd say, yeah. but he was always injured. Well, guess what? He's, he's basically injured again. Yep. Like he had to leave the UNC game. He might not play this weekend, but he wasn't playing well anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if, if jerk would have even started regardless, but their only win this year is Wofford. Yep. And so we actually have more FBFS wins than they do. So <laughs> put that, put that feather in our cap. Yeah. Uh, their losses were to Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UNC. So better losses than we have. They played some decent teams, but they only scored six points against West Virginia. That's not a very good West Virginia football team. They lost to UNC by 17. Cincinnati hasn't proven to not be a very good team this year. Yep. So I, I don't know. This, this pit team isn't good. The problem is neither are we. Yep. After I posted the Monday show I had said in there, like in passing, like none of the teams we've lost to are good teams. And I got some comments from Marshall fans. Like, what, what do you mean? Not good. Why is Marshall not good? I'm like, well, it depends on your definition of good, but like you're three and oh, you beat Albany by four. Mm-hmm. You, you beat ECU, but you were losing the fourth quarter and you beat us who is a complete dumpster fire. So congratulations. You're three and oh, you've <laughs> played like the 122nd toughest schedule in America. This is again, another not good team. Yeah. Like Pitt is not good. No. It doesn't mean we're good. Don't no. say, hey, we're not good. I know we're not good. This yeah. team stinks. It's not it's good so versus weird. not good. Yes. Right. Like it's ugly as crap. One and three, one and three on the ACC network at 8 p.m. Like what a showdown. <laughs> yeah, I found myself looking at this team. Rodney Hammond Jr. is back from last year. We talked about him in our preview before the season. He's got 40 rushes for 178 yards, right? So the the typical um the typical offense that Pitt runs is usually centered around a decent running back. Almost, you know, they've they've done well at that position. And then I thought to myself, my next thought was, I went three levels deep here. My next thought was, okay, well, you know, Hammond's not running it that well this year, and we're having a lot of trouble with the run. Maybe this gives us a shot in this game. And then my third level thought was, oh, shit, we're going to about to allow Rodney Hammond to pad his stats and really get back up to where he needs to be was when I was like <laughs> my third my third, <laughs> my third thought there, um, which is like how this game would probably go. And then um, they've got two, maybe three decent wide receivers slash tight ends. They got Mumfield and Bartholomew. So evidently, part Narduzzi has been poaching like the Premier League relegation teams. So I don't know where those last names came from on a on a pit team, but um, they're decent. But overall, this this is not a very potent offense whatsoever, and it should be containable. The question is, is whether we can. I think I said this before the last game, whether we can figure it out and hold Rodney Hammond Jr. to um, what has been a very tame year in terms of performance. Yeah, he, he's been okay. He had 83 yards against UNC, nothing wild, four and a half yards per carry. But 
as you said, we tend to make guys have a career day. I mean, look at Israel Abinaconda last year. He wasn't amazing before that game. He was good, but he like he wasn't 300 yards good, and we made him look 300 yards good. So yeah. I'm still nervous about their run game because that's all they have. Even if Jerk can't play, they start Valu. Valu came in the last game under 50% completion, two interceptions, and a fumble. His QBR was 0.9. <laughs> Point nine. <laughs> so Valu isn't the answer either for these guys. Like whoever they put back there at QB, yeah, they can dump it off to Bartholomew and he he's actually getting twenty-four yards a catch. I don't know how that's possible for yes. a tight end. But that is that is their weapon, is Bartholomew. So please mark him. Uh their O line has also had three injuries. They lost their left tackle just recently, Gonclaves. They had two other injuries. I think they lost their center. So our D line needs to do something. Yeah. We need three, four sacks in this game. We need two interceptions in this game. Like we are a team that is can only win if we get turnovers. Like we need turnovers. And to win this game, we're gonna have to put pressure on the quarterback, maybe score a defensive touchdown, or put the offense in really good positions. I think we can. I mean, Jerkovic is literally the only P five quarterback that Brent Price beaten. Yeah. That's think about hard. it wow we, we've won one p5 game on a pry and it was against Djurkovic. so maybe we'll have a chance in this one interesting um that's a great stat the this is going to be extremely telling because we've now talked about and identified specifically what the issues are in this game we've talked and identified specifically what opposing offenses are doing we've talked and identified what Pitt is not doing a great job of this year so if the coaches can't get damn defensive and the defensive line and the linebackers over the course of the week, like communicating and somehow able to contain this run, we then it's just like fire them. Just, just yeah. mid-season. Like you know what's coming. You know what Narduzzi's going to do. You know what film he's already seen. You you know everything. You know you know everything. You know what's going to happen in this game. There's no surprises. Nothing. No surprises. So that means that the coaching staff is literally unable to get these players to do what's necessary just to stop the run. Yeah. If Pitt goes for more than 200 yards in this game, which is obviously a possibility, but if they do, when we know it, like you just said, know exactly what they want to do. It's the only thing they can do. And you still can't stop it after these last couple weeks against a worse O-line than these last couple weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to have a really hard time thinking we're going to get more than two wins this year, right? Because this is an extremely winnable game. This is an extremely stoppable offense and you need to be able to stop them. And I don't know what the point total is that that I'm looking for, but you just can't let them run all over you. You just can't. Yeah. You, you got to be able to do something against this O-line and this offense. I agree. Let's talk about their defense because remember before in the summer, we, we said the SP plus on Pitt's offense is actually higher than their defense going into the year. And I think we were both like, I'm not buying that. No. And lo and behold, they've reloaded on the D-line. They always they still getting after the quarterback, and they've got guys at each level that are really playing pretty well. Yeah, I it's not a it's not up to the snuff of like a normal Narduzzi standard defense, um, but it's better than I think we would have anticipated. I, I mean, they gave up forty one, but that's a great UNC team. That's a high potent offense that yeah. you're looking at. They haven't been that they're not. Their turnover efficient, you know, turnover margin is not great. Um, they've got one interception on the year. They got two forced uh, recovery fumbles. Um, so they've it, it hasn't been awesome. They got 14 sacks though, so they have been getting in the backfield. They have been causing some disruption um, with opposing quarterbacks, which is good. But statistically, they're they're pretty. They're, it's a good defense. It is a top, in my estimation, a top kind of 40-ish defense. But we're not talking about like a top 20, I think, defense in my and based on everything that I'm seeing. Yeah, and 
it's probably comparable to Rutgers. I, yeah. I don't know. Some somewhere around there, not significantly worse, not significantly better. But Rutgers has a good defense, and this is a top twenty-five unit in yards per play allowed. Yep. Which, when you consider who they've played, that's pretty solid. Fifth in yards per rush allowed. They're not allowing teams to really run the football, mm-hmm. uh, but 112th in pass efficiency allowed. Yep. So that is that's an area, and this this is this is a place I don't think our fans want to go. But I like, know. is I know. is this a game where we start Grant Wells or he comes in and plays? Like, I'm not saying I want it. I'm just like I'm wondering what Pry and Bowen are thinking. Looking at this pass defense, looking at the way. Pitt is defending the run. I know. It's so much more I, susceptible to the pass. It, it's almost, all of their rankings are almost 2x, if not more, three times worse on uh, statistically in the nation uh, on their pass defense versus their rush defense, which is, I, I don't envy having to scheme for this game this week because the answer here would be, you know, to, to try and pass it and see what you can do opening up things that way. And that fans are absolutely going to lose their freaking minds if that happens. So, um, I, I don't know what the answer is. I just know it doesn't set up well for our offense. No. And if you're of the mindset that they were at the beginning of the year, like, Oh, maybe we can play both quarterbacks and dudes. Bowen can't call an offense for one quarterback. He's not going to be able to figure out two. So if you put Grant Wells in there and you're swapping them in and out, I don't know if that's going to work. If you just start drones, I I think he could probably do enough to beat this team. Yeah. If you start Grant Wells, he might be able to do enough to beat this team. But I don't know what they're going to do because I bet you they're both looking at this and he and Pry are like, maybe we start Grant Wells. Like yeah. maybe that's the answer in this game. And I, I don't I don't know that it is. Because are we are we still trying to see what we got in Chiron? Like we we asked him to pass too much against a team that was giving us hell on the offensive line, and we should have rushed the ball. And now we're going to ask him to pass a lot because we kind of should. Like <laughs> I think I think if you put Grant Wells in, you're at least Chiron Jones can keep the defensive line on their heels a little bit and keep the linebackers on their heels a little bit. If you put Grant Wells in, they're going to tee off on our offensive line. They are going to destroy yeah. And they're him. getting a lot of sacks. Yes, so. they're going to destroy him. He's gonna, He'll be at risk for an injury again uh, if you put him in this game. At least yeah. with drones, you have to respect his feet and you have to play a little just a tad bit, if nothing else, a little bit safer and a little less committed to like, you know, the Saturday night live scene where like, you know, it rips the quarterback in half, uh, kind of <laughs> that, that thing or, um, because I'm being serious, like their defensive line, they're salty. No, that's a good point. Um, and it could be, it could be bad. So I still come back to drones being the, 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 the right alternative. And listen, we have, I think it is fair to say, we have a wide receiver problem because we lost two of our best wide receivers. And that, so, I, yes, that's going to happen, but it still sucks. I still yeah. think that if you had Allie Jennings out there and Lane was healthy, that things would be a little bit better because the passing is not all that bad. And quite frankly, a lot of those stats... How many times did Kyron Jones throw the ball out of bounds, like because of pressure where he was just like, I probably could count five off the top of my head. Um, And then you take three drop passes and that's, you know, eight there where if he's sitting in the pocket, maybe he puts something on somebody's hands and and he makes something of it. So I, I think the stats are difficult to break down given the loss of the receivers and the how terrible the offensive line is as well. Yeah. And I think the answer is, is you start Chiron Jones for all the reasons you said, and for the fact that he's hopefully our future should get him more reps and he does keep the defense honest. And you're absolutely right. The 19 for 35, they asked too much of him. The receivers weren't good and open lane is limping around out there. We still don't have Allie Jennings rights dropping passes. He's better than what the stats are saying about him. Yeah. And and he's still in, he was in a second start. Yeah. And so 
you got to stick with drones. Yep. You you have to stick with drones because Wells probably isn't fully healthy, and the, these guys are going to come around the edge and just like you said, rip yep. his legs off. So, um, and I want to also just clarify, just like you said earlier, you know, Pitt's not a good team, and I know people are thinking to themselves, "Well, we're not a good team." Okay, I'm not saying that drones is the answer for us to have an awesome quarterback solution right now. What I'm saying is we don't have anything that would create a very good quarterback situation right now. All we can do is try and make the decision that gives us uh, a chance at winning a game. That's all I'm saying of, of the alternatives. We can't create some fictitious like solution out of thin air and compare it against that. We have to, we can only go with what the alternatives are. And I think that's the sticking where we're at, I think is still the better alternative. And even with Wells being the better passer, like what is the margin between him and drones? Like it's, is it as wide as the difference between what drones does to the defense versus what Wells does to the defense in terms of keeping them honest? No, I don't, I don't think it is as like, I don't think the value add in terms of what Wells gives you throwing, because he still misses passes. Yeah. Is better. And he throws interceptions. Yeah. And so like, I'd rather just play drones. And I, I think most of the fans would. If if the commentary coming out of all of these games was, damn, we have all these great wide receivers out there and nobody can hit them and they're wide open and how you can miss that pass, then I get it. Then you're like sitting there going, man, we got to figure out a QB that can throw the ball really well and accurately and hit the spots that they need to. That's none of the commentary. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an ineffective offensive line. We're talking about the ability, inability to run the ball, and we're talking about QBs that are scrambling for their lives to the extent of which one of them already got injured this year. So that's not what we've been talking and to drop passes. Um, so right. that, that, that solution is not what it, it, we're solving the wrong problem. We're you know, going after the wrong, the wrong issue with this team. Overall, Pitt is... It's a tough matchup. This does seem like the worst pit team in a while because literally in the past four years, they've been number one or two in the country in sacks per game. And now they're down at like 12, <laughs> but like overall, this is just not nearly as good of a pit team as the Kenny Pickett teams or even last year's team. Jerkovic has been terrible. I think we're going to be able to slow whatever air attack this team wants to do is going to be, is going to be not very effective. And so it's just going to come down to the fact of, can we stop the run? Their past has been atrocious. Kyron can probably do enough through the air to take advantage of that. And with it being a hard team to run on, having a running quarterback probably is the best case scenario for something like that. Yeah. I, yes. I think if, um, continue, if we can continue to improve on the read option uh, a little bit, that I think that would be good. I, I, I haven't diagnosed it enough to know how, whether we're making the right decisions. And sometimes like you, we've seen before, you know, French will call people out on this. Sometimes it's not an option at all. It's already decided what's going to happen. It's made to look like, you know, there's an option, but there really isn't. Um, but I do think I still would be, I'll be blown away if Kyron drones, if he starts, doesn't come away with at least 50 yards in this game on the ground. I think he yeah. still will be able to do it probably more like 70. Probably. We just need to find a way to manufacture some points. Yeah. Cause this is, you're not going to need an amazing amount of points to win this game. Like, can we get to 20? Cause 20 might be enough yeah. to, and like we've been hitting our head against the 17 wall. Can we get to 20? Can we get to 23? Can we get to 25? Because I think we could win the game if we do. Pitt is a two and a half point favorite right now. The over under is 39 and a half. And so that's a, that's a 19 to 20 game right there. Uh, I feel like I did before I felt before we played Rutgers. Like, I, I feel like, Oh, we're going to be able to slow this team down. And then they scored 36. I hope that doesn't happen this time because right. we've seen that. Hopefully we've learned from that. Hopefully we've learned from what we did against Marshall because this is the same crap. Yep. There's, there's not much of a QB threat. Go out there and stop the freaking run and you'll probably win the game. Yeah. And if you get another first and goal at the five, score a fucking touchdown. This is getting absolutely 
we kicked another had to kick another field goal like in not that's not even the red zone that is like that is as you know first and five and we need to figure out how to just punch in and like you said take the scoring opportunities when we get them and not have to settle for field goals in those when we're that that deep uh, into the opponents um and it's and it's not really about not going for it on fourth because when you're put in that position you need to take the three up because no but i know what you're saying you need to score on first second or third down yeah this (laughs) is about the first three downs not the decision on the fourth because the decision on the fourth the way that this game ended up playing out was probably the right one because we had a chance to win at the end yeah all right, before we get to our picks, the 2D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy app that allows you to make plays with our very own Hokies players. So maybe Jalen Lane's out there and you think he's going to put up five catches. Put your money where your mouth is. Tootin's yards. Our quarterback's touchdowns and yards. You can make plays on MLB. My Phillies just made the playoffs last night. That was exciting. Congrats. NFL's back. Lots of opportunities to get money in your pocket. So download the Prize Picks app today. Use code Memory Lane. That's Memory Lane, all one word, for a deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. Got five good games here. Georgia going to Auburn. Rivalry game, sixteen and a half. Auburn is the underdog at home. I'm going Georgia. I'm going with Hugh Freeze. Big game, Hugh. Let's see if he can cover. I'm not expecting him to win, but I'm expecting them to keep it within uh, 16 and a half there. Kansas at Texas. Texas, 17 and a half point favorites at home. Kansas is 4-0. I think I'm going like all favorites this week, which is kind of, actually, no, not all favorites, but I'm going with Texas. I'm going with Texas as well. I think Kansas has played well to this point, but Texas is just that good and, I think they're focused a couple weeks now after Bama. Yeah. Buzzsaw. Notre, yeah. No dog. <laughs> Notre Dame at Duke. Duke, five and a half point favorites at home. Notre Dame coming down off a really tough situation. So I'm going to take Duke plus five and a half. Yeah, that's what I've got as well. Uh, that game was, was crazy at the end. But uh, I will go with uh, with Duke in this one. How likely do you think a Duke victory is? Because I kind of think it's likely. I think there's a really good chance. Uh, like in comparison to like what the spread is and what the odds are, would indicate uh, that they could that they could get a win. It, it, that was a season making or season breaking game for Notre Dame in a lot of different ways. You get that W and things are looking really nice for the playoff. Um, yeah. And I know they have a tough schedule, but they could even probably afford to lose at like USC or something like that and have a chance to, you know, squeeze in to the playoff. And that was a, that was a backbreaker. So I think emotions are going to be pretty low. Yeah. It's, it's a tough spot, like like we've already said. And Duke has been crushing people. Yeah. Like I know that the schedule hasn't been great by any means, but NC State went up to UConn a couple of weeks ago and barely won. Yep. Duke went up there and smacked them around like you're supposed to. Yep. I mean, they are just they're really good right now. Yeah. And so are. I I think they can cover. Bama at Mississippi State. Mississippi State, 14 and a half point underdogs at home. Oh, man, this is this stuff. Is with it more hook. cowbell or is it, you know, like, yeah, I'm going with cowbell. I'm going to go Bama because I think that defense is just so good. Yeah. Um, and Milrow is back to starting. So I'll take Bama. But that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one. Washington at Arizona, Arizona, 17 and a half point underdogs. I hate picking Arizona or Arizona State football games. I know. I I am so bad at it. I don't have a read on these teams ever. Washington has been whooping everyone. Mm-hmm. So why is this line 17 and a half? I don't know. But I do wonder whether Arizona fans think the same thing about Virginia and Virginia Tech that I feel like about Arizona and Arizona State because I never know what the hell's going on with either of those teams in any given year. So in that case, I'm going with Washington. <laughs> It's just, it's last weekend uh, we saw Arizona State overachieve. Can Arizona do the same thing? Uh, the line, 
would indicate that I should take Arizona. Yeah. And so I'm just going to do it. I'm, All right. I, I'm going to go with Arizona and I'm probably going to regret it. Underdogs, All right. That's dogs versus favorites is what we got on the, on the board. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, yeah. a lot of opposite for us this week. Yeah. And that's going to do it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. I know it's been a tough season so far. Maybe there's the outside chance we get those five wins in ACC play because the ACC is not very good. Yeah. And we go to a bowl still. Anything but it's going to have to start with Pitt. We got to get a win here. This is one of the most winnable games. It could be the most winnable game left on our schedule because it's at home. Yeah. Both UVA and BC are on the road. And I'm going to uh, be there, obviously. So, and, and you're going. And it's a night game. You're taking your daughter. It's going to be hopefully a good time. Uh, so let's get that that 17-13 to 13 win. And <laughs> until next time, go Hokies. <laughs>